Hi, everyone. You are listening to Start Inspired. I'm your host, Samantha March. This is my podcast designed to give you a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation, helping you start inspired and stay inspired. I'm really looking forward to this week's episode. I have a new guest on today. I have on Jeremy Ryan Slate. We have a really interesting conversation about being an entrepreneur, a small business owner, and really how to compete like a big brand without spending like one. He gave me so many good tips and pieces of advice that I really took a lot away from his conversation with me, so I really hope that you will too. I am also going to finish off the podcast with two different segments. I have a new word of the week and also the beauty word. I have a beauty recommendation for you, but first we are going to jump into my interview with Jeremy Ryan Slate. He is the founder of the Create Your Own Life podcast, a show to help people create life on their own terms at a world-class level. He studied literature at Oxford University and is a former champion powerlifter turned new media entrepreneur. The Create Your Own Life podcast aims to help mentor his audience to create life on their own terms. It's been downloaded over 2.5 million times and Jeremy has interviewed over 500 entrepreneurs, which is just amazing. Uh, after his success in podcasting, Jeremy and his wife, Brielle, founded Command Your Brand Media to help entrepreneurs hone their message and impact thousands with the power of storytelling. We have a quick conversation that we go through, but it is jam-packed. There is so much information that he gives and so much knowledge. You can tell that he is really passionate on this subject. I really hope that you get as much out of our chat that I did, and let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Jeremy. All right, Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on today. Hey, Samantha, I'm stoked to be here with you today. I know we're, we're both trying to deal with the cold weather here and feel a little bit warmer. So, you know, i sure we'll have an amazing conversation and, and, and I guess kind of change that whole thing, right? Yes, yes. I know. I'm still a little bit under the weather, so I got this strange voice going on, which is great for podcasts, but <laughs> we will make it through. <laughs> Before we jump into some of the questions, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah. So I am the founder of a top 100 podcast called Create Your Own Life. I also run a PR agency called Command Your Brand. I have two dogs, which are absolutely amazing. A 16-month-old daughter, which I am absolutely endearingly in love with. And uh, yeah, I would love to travel the world. And my master's is in ancient history, not a very applicable skill. So, so that's, I guess, about me. And I'm also a competitive powerlifter, uh, though I haven't competed in a bunch of years. Awesome. That's quite a, that's like quite a resume right there. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people like all these different things I do in my life just do not line up at all. Like I'm a, I'm a bunch of contradictions in some ways. Yes. I, I, t I understand that. Cause in some ways I think I am too. Like I call myself, or I, I heard this first on the internet. Someone called themselves a, a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And I was like, I feel like that's totally me because I have all these different interests and visions and they don't always necessarily line up with each other, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you make it work. <laughs> like, I feel like in some ways I, I like to say I'm a Renaissance man, but I don't like to say that because it sounds egotistical, but I just have many different interests, I guess we'll say. Yes. Yes. Same here. And I think it's a nice, I, I think it's nice these days when I first started on the internet, it was actually in 2009 with a blog and I kind of put you know, all of my interests on the blog. And I would get feedback from people saying like, you just need to pick one thing. You need to pick one thing. And I was like, I don't 
want to pick one thing though. <laughs> like, why do I have to pick what defines me? I like all these things. <laughs> so true though, too, because I know even for myself, like I've really struggled because I, I talked about fitness for so long because it's been such a huge part of my life. But then I was also the guy walking into graduate level classes where guys are like, does that t-shirt fit you? So it was, it's just, I, I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought I would bring you on. Um, you're knowledgeable in a lot of different areas, but uh, one thing that I thought we could chat about today was kind of how to compete like a big brand, but not spend like one. Mm -hmm. I'm also, I'm a YouTuber and I'm a self-published author of eight novels. Um, so I, you know, I consider myself to be a small business owner. I don't have deep pockets. I don't have any investors. Um, I mean, I don't even have a full like team around me when it comes to doing all the different things I do. I'm really a one woman show. So one like big question I wanted to start off with is, do you think that it's achievable to become successful in business without finding yourself in debt? A hundred percent, though. That's not what I did initially. Um, if I knew what I did now, then I wouldn't be in that position. So I do think if you you kind of move smart and strategically if you're willing to put in more work and more time, you can absolutely do it without bringing on debt because it's about, you know, getting your product out there faster and, and in bigger quantities than, you know, the bills are coming in. So mm -hmm. I definitely think it's possible. Um, but you have to be very strategic and smart about that. Know what your resources are, know how much time you have, which is your biggest resource when you don't have a lot of money. So it, it's really about, you know, putting all those things in. And I don't think you have to go into debt necessarily. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I bring up debt because I've been pretty open about finances recently on YouTube. I started a series called Mindset and Makeup. My YouTube channel is focused on beauty. And when I first started YouTube in, this would have been in 2015, um, I... I put myself into quite a bit of debt, buying so much makeup, buying a ton of equipment, but I'd look around and I'd see everyone else is kind of doing all these big hauls and all these new products. And I thought, surely this is what I should be doing too. And I got really sloppy with finances. So it's been something, a message that I've been trying to put out there on YouTube for people who are starting or thinking about starting um, to kind of give a warning that you can go about it a different way. And like you said, if you are more strategic about it, and really kind of put the thought in before you just kind of blindly jump and start buying things, it'll probably be better in the long run. <laughs> I, I would agree with you 100% because the first thing that I did uh, was network marketing right out, of, right out of my teaching career. And one of the big things there is buy more stuff, buy the next event ticket, buy all this. And you don't have any money at that point in time, but you have mm -hmm. all these people telling you that this is what you have to do to be successful when necessarily that's not really true. So I plugged into a lot of bad advice early on that told me I had to spend all this money and do all these things. And, you know, I put myself initially in like $12,000 worth of credit card debt that I didn't need to be in. And I could have done it in a better way. So I, I, I do think that's a lesson that your audience should take home there is if you're going to be smart about it and strategic about it, like you don't have to spend money like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, kind of along that same topic, what do you think are some common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make financially? Wow. Um, this is something I did. It's funny because I feel like I'm, I'm, a, I'm an example of what not to do in a lot of ways. Is that <laughs> they're, always, they're always saying like, they need all, I need all this information before I get started. So like when I started my podcast, I took three different courses. Like, mm. come on, you don't need three courses to start a podcast. Yeah. But I, I think that's what happens is a lot of times we're spending money on, well, I need this person's program and I need this podcast and I need this coaching. Well, do you have something you're selling yet? Well, no, I don't, but I need all this stuff before I can deliver. So I, I think there's this 
idea that you need all this stuff before you can do something. And actually, like, I don't want to offend anybody, but it comes back to, to personal responsibility, right? Like, if you're buying all these things and investing in all these things before you can do anything, you're making other people responsible for your own success rather than yourself. You know what I mean? Like, if it's a failure, it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. But when you start to become personally responsible, you're going to mess up in the beginning. And that's okay. Like, it happens. But don't keep buying all these things and investing all these things to make other people responsible for you in your own life. I feel like that was really powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I went through it though. So I understand. <laughs> yeah. No. And I, t- like, I totally know what you are saying there. And it's been something that I've been trying to teach myself more of like jump in and try um, before even investing, like one of my tips on when people tell me they want to start a YouTube channel and they're like, do you have any tips or advice? I was like, I say, record a few videos on your phone first before you jump in and you start buying an expensive camera and lights, like start, but see if you want to do it, see if it's worth the investment because it is very expensive. I mean, you start talking about thousands of dollars for cameras, thousands of dollars for lights, and maybe you make five videos and you're like, uh, I actually don't really want to do this. I mean, that's just kind of awful. Well, here's, um, here's, a, here's a great example of that is I had talked to a guy two two years ago now, I think at this point, who had started a podcast. And, you know, we were talking about our services of getting on other shows to like get his show more out there. And he's like, well, you know, I can't do that yet because I'm building a studio right now. I'm buying all these mics and I'm buying these monitors and I'm putting padding on the walls. And they quit after 18 episodes. So it's like you invest all this stuff to make other people or other things responsible because then you could say, well, Really, if I had a better hosting platform, my podcast would have done well. No, dude, like figure out how to get it out there. Figure out how to get in front of more people. I think people just focus on that too much. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're exactly right. Oh, that was, yeah, I do. I, I feel like we I went really a different direction. I feel like we went a different direction than you expected us to go. <laughs> yeah. No, but I loved it. I, I think that's fantastic. And, and I mean, even coming from the book side of things, a lot of times I'll get, I, I mean, this is just another, you know, career that I have, but people will message me to say, you know, I really want to write a book, but you know, how do I hire an editor or how do I put together my cover? And I'm like, well, you have to write the book first. Like before you start thinking, before you get too far ahead of yourself and you start hiring or you start buying rights to photos or all these different things, like slow down, write the book, like finish that part first and then, then go on from there. But yeah, get some people to read it. Get some feedback. Ask your family yeah. what they think of it. Like, because I, I think you're you're 100 right. Like, I need this every perfect thing, and then I can launch. And that type of thinking gets you never launched. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, like I mentioned, that I've I've been in social media since 2009, so I've watched it grow, and now I've watched it explode and change. You know, I started in the blogging world when blogging was huge, moved over to YouTube. I've recently even downloaded TikTok <laughs> and I'm trying to understand that app. So it's always interesting to see like the next big, next big thing. Uh, but also sometimes it's easy for me to feel like lost or overwhelmed, or even like I won't get seen because there's so many apps, so many platforms, so many users do you have any best tips for entrepreneurs or small brands uh, so they can still have a social footprint, which will hopefully directly impact their business? Well, I, I guess here's here's the thing I would say to that. Like, um, I still don't get TikTok. Um, and I'm, it's, not, it's not like I'm old. I'm 32. So it's not like I'm an old man. I, I, made, I made one video uh, of of my mini pig walking to the to the song from The Greatest Showman. 
love this, it. This is me, um, which which was a great <laughs> video, and nobody liked it, nobody viewed it, and whatever. And there wasn't really a purpose there, but like, so I I haven't really done anything with TikTok. Um, I I, th- I think this is what you got to look at. Like, there are so many platforms out there. You need mm-hmm. to figure out like with the people you want to help and impact, like where do they spend most of their time? Because I'm sure they're not on every single one of these platforms or, or they kind of have no family or social life. Right. So like for myself, like I know a lot of my audience is on Instagram and on LinkedIn. So I spend most of my time on social media on LinkedIn because it's just what's going to benefit me and what I'm doing the most and help me make the impact I want to make the most. So I would say like figure out where your audience lives, figure out what type of content they like, because if they like more visual content, they're going to be on Instagram more. They're going to be on you know, TikTok more or whatever it may be, figure out what, where your audience lives and focus on those places. Like you don't have to be on every single social platform out there because you need a a Gary V level team to be able to do that. Like, I think people have this misconception when they see people like Gary or Grant Cardone or whatever it is, like those guys are doing a great job with their content, but they have like 25 guys behind them. Like they're not doing it themselves. So figure out what works for you. And as you grow, you can go out into different places and bring on new people, like bring on a virtual assistant or something to help you. But focus on where your people are and then help them where they're at. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I I gave a, I was at a conference a couple of years ago for, it was a writing conference, um, but I was speaking, I was asked to be a speaker um, on a couple different topics to authors, but one of them was on having a social media platform. And someone asked a really similar question to this of like, I can't decide which platform I should even focus on. There's so many, I get confused. And that was my advice was figure out where your audience is. And sometimes it's looking to see like age demographics and that sort of thing, because a lot of times with the younger demographic these days, they're not really on Facebook. They're on either Instagram or now it's TikTok and that sort of thing. But you have to figure out where they're at and then you have to be there too. So I definitely agree with that advice. I I think that's a hundred percent true because like thinking you have to be everywhere, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Like just figure out where your people are and serve them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, just I'm very, very new to TikTok. I only have a few videos up there, but I remember the first day of like really throwing myself into it by the end of the night, I felt like my eyes couldn't focus because I felt like I'd been on my phone the entire day. And I was like, my brain hurt. I was I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can handle another social media platform. <laughs> There's so many. I could be on my phone 24 hours in a day. <laughs> yeah. And, and then what are we going to do with Netflix? Like, we're not going to have enough time to watch that. So like, oh you know, you know gosh, what I mean? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, I, so, it's so interesting sometimes to think about the world that we live in and I think it's so cool because as someone who, you know, growing up when I was younger, I, I always, I kind of felt like a loner because I had all these, to other people, these weird ideas. I wanted to do all these different things and people were like, what? No, like that's not what we do here in Iowa. And since the internet came out, I was able to find people who think the same way I do, who want the same things I do. And that's, you know, it's a really cool thing, but it can get overwhelming. <laughs> I, I would agree with hundred percent though. I, I grew up in like Northern New Jersey, but I think people think of Jersey Shore when they think of that. Like I grew up in a small yeah. town that's like five eighths of a mile in size. Like, you know, like 90% of the people don't go to college and there's no, you know, grocery store. There's a regional high school. So it's like, I understand when you're in a small town, getting past that small town thinking and finding people that are like you can be hard, but the internet is beautiful in that way and able us to find a lot of those people. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. 
Uh, what advantages, kind of going back to larger brand versus like a smaller business owner, what advantages do you think a small business owner might have over a larger brand? Well, I, th- I think honestly, the, the major mistake I make, I see a lot of people make, especially when they're a smaller or a new brand, is they go right away to, well, I want to be on a top 100 podcast and I want to be on Forbes and Inc. and all those things. And it's like, those are, those are great things to think about and, and shoot for. And, and that's fine. But, you know, I, like I said, I'm from a small town that's five eighths of a mile in size. Like, was, is your Iowa town a small town? Oh, yeah. Very small. So, so here's the thing. Like, do you have like local newspapers that go to like everybody's house like once a week in the mail or anything like that? Yes. So we have one of those. And we have like the small newspapers that when you walk into a convenience store, you're in there and you're always like, who's reading those things? Um, what people are actually missing out on is local press when you're starting out is a huge benefit. Because one of the things I did is I found those small local newspapers that went in the mail and went to everybody in my county. Like that's that's a pretty good radius of people I could hit by writing a press release and knowing that they run this on a Thursday. If I send it to them on a Tuesday, they'll print it and run it. So I tell people to figure out the small pond that you're a part of and focus on that initially. So great examples of that. Uh, I went to Seton Hall University. They have a uh, Seton Hall Pirates magazine. So they did a feature on me. I live in a lake community now. They have a lake community magazine. They did a feature on me. I was in you know small newspapers in, in the area. I was on regional newspapers in the area. Um, I had a, a uh, producer for a television channel read the press release that I put in our regional paper, which is called the Bergen Record, and then call me and say, hey, do you want to be on TV? And that's how I got my first TV feature. So I think far too often people neglect to think the, think of the small groups they're a part of when those people would probably really want to support them locally if they see that they're doing really cool things. So that, that's where I tell a lot of people to start is start local and then getting big media is like a stair approach, right? Like you get local, then you go national, and then you start looking for bigger and bigger things. But I find a lot of people mess up by not thinking of those. And then what you do, which is interesting because since everything's online now, a lot of these local newspapers, even ones that go to your house in the mail, they have an online component. And since they're a news source, they end up in Google News. So now you're going to get a Google News alert out of that. So you should actually have a media page on your website. And on that media page, you f- feature all the logos and links to all these different places you've been featured. And it starts to help you actually build a press portfolio. So then when you want to reach out to other media to get featured and start using that stuff, you can grow a lot. So that's a, that's a really important thing. But then there's also like, what do you do with that content, right? So Something that big brands aren't thinking of, um, and I got to give a shout out to my, my good friend, Dennis Yu out there from Blitzmetrics. This next part is his strategy. It's not something I developed, but I've used it and it's great. Uh, you, put, you put a Facebook pixel on your website, and then you take that Facebook pixel and you create three audiences, a 30, 60, and 90-day audience of your website. And then you take those press features that you had and you run an uh, ad set at them of a dollar a day. To, to get more views on that media, take a look at the ones that are working after seven days, keep running them. The ones that aren't, don't put any more ad money to them. But you're spending a couple bucks a day to then get targeted people that have already been to your website. They're aware of you. They wanted more information about you. And now it kind of looks like you're stalking them just a little bit. And <laughs> it, it allows you to kind of be everywhere to them. So like that's how, if you think strategically, you can be a lot more effective than a lot of big brands that are like, all right, so we're going to spend $100,000 in ad spend today. What are you, you going to send them to? I don't know. This picture of this cat. Let's see where that goes. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. So we'll spend another $100,000 and see where it goes. So you can actually be very strategic 
when you're a smaller brand and see what works for you, you know, and go on from there and not just waste money all over the place. Yeah, that's a great point. I was, I was writing down so fast everything that you I were can, just I saying. I pencil moving, actually. Yes, pen. like, yes, yes, <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> like, oh, she's taking notes. This is cool. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was great advice. And also going back to what you said about starting locally, I mean, I think that's also a great idea. I, I, I mean, I, I feel like I can see so many, you know, newspapers or news outlets or whatever it may be. They also, we, we often, and, you know, I'm from the Midwest and so maybe this is a Midwest thing, but we like to support one another. We like to support our, our locals. Um, it's the same right here. Like people will call my parents yeah. and be like, Hey, your son was in the newspaper. My parents are like, Hey, good. I guess he's not screwing up. Cause in the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning my parents thought I was, thought I was nuts. So, and they were hoping I was yeah. making money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can relate to that too. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, um, you want to write books? Like what? <laughs> you want to start a YouTube channel? I don't understand. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm on to something. Just hold on. <laughs> um, but that's such a good point. And yeah, that, that was awesome. That was so many good ideas. My notebook is getting very full. It's an interesting approach as well, because like the thing you have to think about is when you are a smaller brand, the things that matter most to you are targeted advertising like we talked about, media features, if you can get the right ones, whether they're podcasts or whether they are uh, online publications or whatever. And it's also search engine optimization. Like you have to learn a, a lot about search engines that are going to allow you to compete on a budget, right? So like, mm-hmm. um, do you know what authority score is? Uh, no. Okay, so in in search engine optimization, every website is ranked on a scale of one to a hundred for authority. Anything um, that's high on an authority score that links to your website is going to help you get seen more. So, let's give an example of of top rated podcasts. Like two of the the big places to host your podcast are Libsyn, which is the one I use, and Podbean. Um, both of those those websites have authority scores above ninety. So they're like really high quality links. And the beautiful thing is every time you publish a podcast episode or you're on a podcast, that link back to your website, you know, basically gives your website more link juice, which means you're going to get seen a lot more. So like it's another strategy of like at the same time, like it doesn't even matter if it's a big podcast, as long as you, you know, their hosting platform is linking to you. It's another way to get seen. So you're building up media features, which are high authority score. You're building up podcast features, which are high authority score. So all these different things, you're actually, you're not thinking in the way big brands are thinking because they're thinking about, oh, I want to get on Forbes. I want to get on, mm-hmm. you know, all these different places, which are great to have the logo on your website. Um, but in search engine optimization, there's two types of links. There's a no follow link and a do follow link. A do follow link is what you want. Most of these small media sites, they're do follow links. The hosting accounts are do follow links. Inc, Forbes, and Entrepreneur are all no-follow links, which means that they don't want other people to go to your website. So they're actually, they look great, but they're actually not helping you to get ranked. That makes sense. So awesome. as a, so as a small you. brand, if you know these few things, like you can yeah. do so much more. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Awesome. And I've, that's one thing that I always- I feel like we feel... really got in the weeds in this, Samantha. I apologize if I yeah. went too far. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that because I feel like this is um, an area that I struggle with quite a bit. Like I have, you know, I, I've had my blog for these 10 years now and I feel like I've always kind of struggled with either the deep links, the back linking, um, even like SEO. There's been so many times like I've done online courses trying to understand more and I'm like, 
one day it's like my dream to hire someone that like that's their job because it just doesn't come naturally to me. And I feel like I could be doing bigger and better things if I had a better handle on it. So I'm always trying to soak up the knowledge where I can. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was excellent. Um, I want to switch a little bit and talk about like your own path to entrepreneurship and you started the create your own life podcast, also the command your brand, um, command your brand media. Can you share any of the the hurdles that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today? I feel like it's been like a Beatles song, like a long <laughs> and winding road. Um, <laughs> because like, like I said, my, I, I went to Seton Hall University for a uh, double major in Catholic theology and Old Testament. I then studied literature at, old, uh, at New College, Oxford, and got my master's in, uh, back at Seton Hall in early Roman Empire propaganda. So I'm, I'm only naming these <laughs> things to show you like these are totally unapplicable skills to life and actually like doing things. But it, but it was really fun while it lasted. So, right. <laughs> so I, I actually, you know, when I got out of school, it was in 2009 for undergrad and then 2011 for my master's, which was a horrible time to get hired for anything. So what I actually ended up doing was managing a gym at night and, and painting houses during the day. And, and the house painter I worked for was like super old school. So like everything that you did was hand scraped on a 40 foot ladder and hand brushed with a four foot, br- a four inch brush. Like we did not like do anything with like machines. Like that was hard work. So I was doing, I was working like 17 hours, 17 hours a day and not really sleeping much. And somehow I was still dating at the time. So I ran into uh, a friend of my family that was basically like, Hey, the private school that I work at is looking for teachers. So I ended up teaching there because in New Jersey, if you teach at a private school, you don't need a teaching degree. Um, which I highly recommend people do get a teaching degree if you're going to go into teaching because they're going to teach you things like how to manage a classroom, which I wasn't very good at. So I went to school, you know, in the early 2000s where people had like the Motorola Razor flip phone. Like we didn't have social media yet. (laughs) So like I was like shocked when these kids had like iPhones and stuff and that their day every day was to like try and see how far they could push me and get me on video and then put me on YouTube or something. So like (laughs) I just hated my life every single day. And then in... 2013, my mom ended up having a really, really bad stroke. And it was just really tough on my family. Um, I had, And it's funny because I had had um, a knee surgery at 19 that didn't go so well. And um, my lungs actually collapsed and I got last rites. And it, it didn't really change my life at all until 2013 that it was my mom. I was kind of like, whoa, like this is like a finite thing. Like life is going to end at some point in time. So my wife was presented with a network marketing opportunity, which I didn't know what that was. So I'm like, dude, a million bucks next week. Let's go find three friends that find three friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I quit my job. I just remember telling you know, the, the principal, like, hey, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to go do this network marketing thing. He's like, dear God, uh, if you need to come back, let me know. So I ended <laughs> up actually you know, leaving that. And I did pretty well at that, actually. I made some pretty good money. Um, but I just didn't really enjoy, you know, I guess, the career of it once I looked at it. So I went from there to selling life insurance, which once again, I was very good at, but I didn't enjoy the conversation of sitting down with somebody and saying, so you're going to die and you love your friends and you love your family, right? You wouldn't want anything to happen to them, would you? I felt like I was a bad mob boss. So (laughs) so I I did that for a little bit, made some money and then left. And then I'm like, okay, well, people are selling things on Amazon. I had heard a podcast by uh, Ryan Moran back in the day and I knew people were selling things on Amazon. So I'm like, hey, let me go for that. So I left the get my product for a dollar promo code right on my listing and lost all 200 of my products in about 10 minutes. It was horrible. So I had no inventory. I lost money because it cost more than a dollar to get all these products. And I was kind of out of it. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So I ended up actually 
we were talking a lot here about search engine optimization. So I, I taught myself how to do that and website design from YouTube videos. So I ended up working at a friend's web design firm and basically was just making enough money to make things go. Um, you know, was dating at the time, uh, my current wife. And I had been listening to podcasts for years and years and years. I started listening to them in like 2009 when it was still like a lot of audiobooks and stuff like that. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I guess I can launch one of these things. So I went for it. And it tanked. It was absolutely horrible. It was called Rock Your Life. And I found out that somebody else already had the name. So I dropped the Y and it became Rock Your Life. It just looked like I couldn't spell. So the, the, the podcast was not very good. I, I quit in about 60 days. And that was in the beginning of 2015. And then later in that year, I got married. And I'm kind of like, well, hey, man, like you're doing this whole web design thing. Like there's not really that much room for advancement. Like what are you going to do with this? And I started the podcast create your own life as, as like a side project. But I, I did it more through a professional lens. Like I looked at who are the top 100 people I most admire. And I actually reached out to them and had a pretty good success rate. I'm like, well, how can I do this more as a professional? So I went out and got, you know, decent design by somebody on Fiverr. Like I didn't spend a ton of money. So mm-hmm. I figured out how I could do this and get it out there. And then we saw 10,000 downloads in our first 30 days. And, you know, the show has grown and grown from there. And now we are closing in on 700 episodes. We're over 2.5 million downloads. And, you know, it's led to me creating our agency, which is Command Your Brand, where we help people get featured on top rated podcasts to, to grow their brand and get more attention. So I guess I've kind of failed my way to figuring out what works. Um, I, you know, there wasn't any special insight that helped me to do that besides just learning from my mistakes and taking more responsibility for what I was doing. I love what you just said there. You failed your way to figuring <laughs> out what works. I was writing that down as you said that because I um, I relate to that so deeply. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's hard when you are an entrepreneur and you're doing things yourself and you're making things yourself. There's going to be things that you fail at. There's going to be things that simply just don't work out. Um, and then especially in the social media age that we live now, things are always evolving and growing and you know, I remember at one point being like, blogging is everything. I'm not going to go to YouTube because blogging is everything. I mean, if I still had that mindset and was only just blogging, I would be completely left in the dust. I wouldn't have what I have today <laughs> because it's just, so you do, you kind of have to fill your way and learn as you go. And that spoke, that really spoke to me. <laughs> well, and, and, and I love that you say that too, because like when, when I was doing, when I had started that network marketing company, like I alienated so many of my friends and the reasons I stayed in it as long as I did is I'm like, well, I can't let them, can't let them see that I failed. So let me mm-hmm. just keep doing this and keep destroying myself trying to do this and, and, and eventually it'll work out and, and they won't be right. Like we, we, we have to kind of just look at what's happening and decide like, Hey, if this is the way to go, great. Like if blogging is a long tail way to go and YouTube isn't, then go for it. But if YouTube's the way to go, then go with it. So I think too many yeah. times we attach ourselves to the emotions of the situation Mm-hmm. Rather than backing ourselves up, taking a 30,000 foot view and seeing, you know, where is this going to take us and where do I want to go into those two things line up? Yeah, that's a great point. I think I do. I do a lot of things off of emotion and I've been trying to kind of almost like retrain myself to get more into the business mindset because I, so I started in 09, but I didn't leave my full time kind of more traditional job until it would have been twenty. 
14, uh, I, I could just, I kind of felt comfortable enough, but also, you know, I always say I got married in 2013 and was able to get on my husband's health insurance. So it was a big reason why I was able to leave my job because that's a very, you know, pesky thing that we have to have here in the U S I, so I went without important. health insurance for like three years and I paid that stupid fine. So let me tell you, that was tough. Uh, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a real thing. So I always sometimes joke, like I'll say like, Oh yeah, you know, I, then I got married for health insurance and people are like, wait, you got married for health insurance. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I mean, I just, no, that's not why I got married. I swear. Um, but so, you know, finally leaving my job, I realized within the first year I was like, okay, you're now you're fully a businesswoman. Like you have to get it together. You have to, I would feel almost kind of like uncomfortable self-promoting myself. Like, oh, you know, I have a new book out. I'm like, am I annoying people? And I'm like, you can't think like that. You can't self-sabotage yourself. I have a whole podcast episode on all the ways I've self-sabotaged because I let, I run off of emotions so much and I run off of like what other people might think of me and it's hurt me business-wise. So I'm trying to retrain myself that I can't think that way. Otherwise I will fail. (laughs) And and that's a hundred percent true. Like, like I, here's a great example about this. I got, I, I got really upset about something this morning. I was writing an email about it and I go to my wife, can you read this first and see if I need to tone myself down? And she goes, she reads it and goes, let's wait an hour or so and take a look at this email again. So I, I think oftentimes we, we, we need to figure out how to not react on the emotion to things because sometimes we can be mean and we can be a little neurotic and we, we have mm-hmm. to kind of just pull ourselves out of the situation and take a look at it. And sometimes the best way to do that is either give yourself some time or honestly go for a walk and observe the environment around you and kind of pull your attention outwards and it really helps. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. About to wrap up here, but I thought I would finish it off with a personal question because I saw from your Instagram that you're a Green Bay Packers owner. I am. And I am as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was a, a big fan of that. I was like, okay, you can come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, you know, I'm still I'm still a little stung by what happened a few weeks ago. How are you feeling about our next season? <laughs> Oof. Well, I'm a little I'm a little concerned that AA Ron's getting older there. So, you know, yep. it's 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 scary to say that though cuz the guy's only 36. Like that's not actually old. I know. But in football years that's old. Um we we need more wide receivers. Uh, Jimmy Graham is not cutting it at tight end anymore. The offensive line was protecting fine. You know, Aaron Jones mm-hmm. was good, but we need some wide receiver depth. We really do or, or we're going to yeah. be in trouble. Um yeah. although I will say uh, during the, um, I'm trying to think it wasn't during, it was during the last game of the season. Uh, my daughter's 16 months old now, uh, but she learned touchdown. So oh. she has a little, little baby Aaron Rodgers Jersey. So she oh. watched She would watch football with me on the weekends. If my, if my wife was like doing something or whatever. So she'd watch TV and, and she, every time Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown, she'd go touchdown, touchdown. And she oh. threw, threw her arms up. It was great. So I will say that. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> we have uh, we have a little nephew on my husband's side, and during Christmas, Mitch, my husband, one of his gifts from from his brother was a Green Bay Packers like hard helmet because Mitch does um, construction. He often has to wear a hard helmet, mm-hmm. but it was a Green Bay one. And our little nephew, who's like three years old, took it and put it on and started walking around the house yelling "Go Pack Go" in his little voice. Oh my! And gosh. we loved it. But what we thought was so great was our, the nephew's father is actually a Vikings fan. Oh, and I that was poor like, guy. I was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching him walk around, go Paco. I was like, yes, keep doing this. 
Well, I will say like as a podcaster, the coolest moment for me um, is like my favorite player for years was AJ Hawk. Um, and I mm-hmm. finally got to interview AJ on the show about a year and a half ago. And that was just so freaking cool. I've got to say, um, you know, pro bowler, real, real, you know, awesome player and was my favorite yeah. player for years. Cause you know, real tough dude. And it was just like, what? I get to talk to this guy and talk Packers football. This is so cool. That's amazing. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, that just kind of shows like you never know where things can can take you or who you'll be able to talk to one day. Yeah, absolutely. That That's amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Do you want to tell listeners where they can find you? I'll put everything in the show notes, but if you want to share where, where anyone can find you. Absolutely. Well, the best place to find me um, is going to be either on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm at Jeremy Ryan Slate there. But if people enjoyed what I was talking about today about getting out there on a budget and really doing it, I know like how it's changed my life. And I really just have a purpose to help other people do that as well. So I put together a free 35-minute training for your audience. That's over at commandyourbrand.com slash free training. And that's going to teach you how to get massive exposure using the power of podcasting. So at the end of that, you'll have an ability to see if you want to work with our team. If not, it'll be 35 minutes well spent because I hate feeling like I went through the black hole of a training that I learned nothing on. So I don't like to do that to other people. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. I'll have to check that out for myself. <laughs> All right. I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Jeremy. My, I always have a notepad next to me when I am recording the podcast. I wrote down so much, a lot for me to look into. So I really hope that you found that helpful. I do want to wrap up the podcast with two segments this week. So this week we are going to be doing a new word of the week. And then I also have the beauty word, which is where I give a beauty recommendation. So when I do the word of the week, I like to talk about the previous word of the week and I like to read in some of the feedback that I received. So if you ever want to leave any feedback, you can always tag me. You know, I have my socials in the show notes. You can tag me anywhere or you can use the hashtag start inspired podcast that I look through. Uh, I have, I had a couple DM directly to me. I do also have an email for the podcast, which is just start inspired podcast at gmail.com. If you would ever want to email anything in, whether it be show ideas, guests that you want to have come on, or any feedback that you want to leave. So it was, I think it was two weeks ago, that was the last uh, word of the week, and it was improve, which is to enhance in value or quality. And I wanted to read a couple of the responses that came in, uh, but this one says, I'm improving my self-esteem, and I'm improving the quality of my thoughts towards myself. Recently, thanks to you, I've started to recognize the good qualities about myself rather than the bad ones, and I'm already starting to love myself a little bit more. When I got that in, that meant so much to me. Um, I think that's a really amazing thing. I love about improving the quality of my thoughts towards myself. That's something I've mentioned here on the podcast here and again, and I think that it's so important that we're kind to ourselves. Like we need to be kind to others, but we also have to be kind to ourselves. And that really, that meant a lot to me. Another one that came in is a goal I have is to improve my mindset at work. Don't stress over things I can't control. I think that's a great thing too. I, I especially at work, I can understand how um, a, it's easy to get hard on ourselves <laughs> sometimes in our careers or our jobs and to stress over things I can't control. I find myself guilty of this all of the time uh, and just trying to let go of the little things. So 
I think that's a great one. And then the last one I want to read is the word improve. Its meaning is invaluable. You should never ever stop trying to improve yourself. And I think that's true too. I think that you can try to improve yourself really on a daily basis. I've talked about the social media challenge that I ran over the summer and that was every single day doing something that would improve ourselves. And it can sound kind of daunting, like, wait, I have to do something every single day. But also when you make those little things a healthy habit of yours, it just becomes a part of your daily routine and it's easy to do. Uh, So I, I love that that one came in also. So That was some of the feedback for the word of the week uh, from improve. And then I wanted to move over to the new word of the week. So something to just think about. Uh, I would love if you wanted to give in any feedback on this word, but just one that I want you to think about in your own life, in your own daily life, personal life, professional life. Uh, And the word that I chose for this week is self-motivated. Since we had the conversation with Jeremy, who is also an entrepreneur, one thing, one quality of an entrepreneur is definitely that you have to be self-motivated, but I don't think that it's limited to just being an entrepreneur or someone if you're your own boss. It really is in our daily life. There's a lot of things that we need to self-motivate ourselves to be. Um, Also in our personal life, whether it be making healthy decisions, uh, whether it be um, how we handle certain situations, um, certain uncomfortable situations. There's a lot that we can be self-motivated by getting to the gym, doing that workout. I say that as the clock is ticking and I still haven't done my workout today, so I need to get self-motivated to do that. But the Merriam-Webster definition of self-motivated is driven by one's own desires and ambitions, motivated by oneself. So I would love to know some of the things that you are self-motivated to do, whether it's something that you're actively trying to work on right now, maybe actively trying to improve on. Is it something in your professional life that you need to be self-motivated for? Um, I know for myself, I have a pretty big project coming up that I'm really excited for. I mentioned that in last week's episode. And I definitely have to be very self-motivated when it comes to my role in this project and helping it and getting the word out there and making sure everything comes together smoothly. So actually, as I'm filming this, as I'm recording this segment for the podcast, that was, that was my morning was, was working on this and having to be motivated to stick with it and, and keep going. So I would love to know uh, some of the ways that you guys are trying to stay self-motivated. And then finally, I wanted to wrap it up with the beauty word. So my Instagram is March Beauty Word, and the Beauty Word segment is where I give a beauty recommendation. I've done makeup, I've done skincare, but I wanted to do something a little bit different for this week, and I wanted to talk about one of my favorite perfumes. So I found Define Me uh, a few years ago. They reached out to me as my role as a blogger and asked if they could send along some of their perfumes, and I've I'm not really much of a perfume girl, I always would say that a lot of times I would forget to put it on. You know, it just wasn't a part of my routine. And I think maybe a part of that reason was because I never really found a scent that was just so me until I found Audrey by Defied Me. This has become my favorite perfume. I'm looking at a bottle that I have on my bookshelf right now that is about gone. 
I have a new backup ready to go. And also what attracted me to the Define Me brand was a little bit of their story. So I'll have them linked in our show notes, definitely. But their About Me page and learning about the founder is really very interesting. Um, And in one part on the website, uh, it says that we were moved by the fact that 31 million girls received no education and our co-mission quickly became to give these girls the chance to achieve their dreams. We created the Define Me Dollar Program and partnered with She's the First, a fighting gender equality by supporting girls to be the first in their families to graduate from high school. I thought that was really touching. I've talked before about how important education, I think, how important I think education is, um, the role education had for me, but um, you know, also some of the financial struggles that I've had with going to school and going to college and still paying my loans and all of that. And a dream of mine one day is to be able to help other girls who want to receive education but are, are struggling to get there. So when I read this on the Define Me website and really learned more about their program and what they do, I love finding companies that a part of their mission is to give back. And then especially with this one being such a uh, such a close topic to my heart, I knew that I really wanted to, to mention them as well. Uh, I think it would be a dream to bring on the founder, who is Jennifer McKay-Newton. I would I'm putting it out there to the universe. I would love to talk to her on the podcast one day because uh, I think that that's pretty amazing what they do. So I definitely wanted to mention Define Me. Again, my favorite scent is Audrey, but they have a lot on there and they have a a new one with Disney. They have an Ariel fragrance. Um, They have a lot of different products too. They don't just have the perfume, but they have um, even like hair mist too. They have travel sizes. They have body polishes, mood candles. There's fragrance oils. So they have quite a bit. So again, I highly recommend them. I'll have them linked in the show notes. I I hope that you'll check them out. And I did want to say that I'm also doing a giveaway with them on my Instagram. So again, my Instagram is March Beauty Word, but I have a giveaway open for the next few days to actually win two of your favorite scents. You can win two perfumes and also two travel sizes of the perfumes. So if you'd be interested in, um, you know, potentially winning one of these, I can also link that giveaway in my show notes if you would want to check it out. But Just wanted to show some love to the brand because I think that they do really cool things. They're also available at Alta Beauty and just wanted to spotlight them. So that is where I'm going to wrap up this week's podcast episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you took something away from my chat with Jeremy. I'm looking forward to hearing some of your feedback on the word of the week. And I hope that you'll check out to find me from the beauty word. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. If you want to rate or review the podcast on whatever it is that you may be listening to this on, that would be fantastic. That's always so appreciated. Share if you want to share uh, what we talked about today on the podcast cast as well. You can always tag me or use the hashtag and I'm always on the lookout for that. And other than that, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.